0: Today on the Daily Scoop podcast from the Scoop News Group, a lesson to learn in agility from the private sector.
1: One of the things private industry, thinks more able to do is to shed the things they don't do well and outsource those, find another place for those things to be accomplished. That's, that's harder for the federal government.
0: Plenty of tools for agencies to use to fix the plumbing of government if they'll just use them.
1: There are
2: enough authorities on the books that can go around the existing system as long as senior leadership is okay with doing that
0: and a preview of the Fatara scorecard upgrade that's coming from one of its authors.
3: This Congress, our subcommittee will identify opportunities to modernize the scorecard so that its metrics meaningfully capture and reflect the state of federal IT and effectively compel federal agencies to prioritize best practices in areas like cloud adoption, cybersecurity, and customer experience.
0: It's Wednesday, March 9th, 2022. Welcome to the Daily Scoop podcast. Every afternoon, you'll learn what's going on today in government. I'm the host of the Daily Scoop podcast, Francis Rose. Here's what's happening now. Agencies will comply with a secure software development framework from the National Institute of Standards and Technology starting today. NIST's secure software development framework came out February 4th. Compliance with Frameworks, a component of President Biden's cybersecurity executive order. Data center optimization still has room to improve across government, according to the Government Accountability Office. Five of 17 agencies the GAO reviewed flunked a metric from the Office of Management and Budget to cut servers and mainframes in data centers. GAO finds agencies have saved $6.6 billion consolidating and optimizing data centers since fiscal 2012. A new version of the General Services Administration's Polaris contract is coming soon. A GSA spokesperson says the agency is working closely with other agencies to get the first two requests for proposal ready. The agency missed a February deadline for the RFPs. No word on a timeline beyond soon. You can read more on these stories and lots of other news at fedscoop.com. Nominations close next Friday for the best bosses in federal IT. You can recognize the CIOs, CTOs, CISOs, and other technology leaders that are driving modernization and innovation across the federal government. The list of finalists debuts March 28th. You can find a link to learn more in today's show notes at thedailyscooppodcast.com. The Department of Veterans Affairs is starting up a modernization effort for its entire supply chain. It's taking a different approach, though, than it's taken before. Greg Giddens is partner at Potomac Ridge Consulting. He's former principal executive director in the Office of Acquisition, Logistics, and Construction at VA. Greg, welcome. Thanks for coming on the program. You told me before we went on the air about a webinar that you watched on Friday and some pretty interesting concepts that came out of it. What are those concepts and why are they so novel in your view? Welcome, Greg.
1: Francis, it's always great to be with you. Uh, The webinar really did present some uh, fresh approaches to looking at a long-standing problem. Uh, The VA is looking to modernize its entire supply chain, and for an organization of that size and the various businesses that they're in, that's a huge effort. Uh, And in the past, uh, the VA and other agencies may have taken a a big approach, the big bang approach, but they're really not doing this, uh, and they're engaging industry as they move forward. So a couple of those novel concepts, First is industry engagement. They had a webinar Friday, but it's not a once and done. They're gonna have a series of webinars to really share with the industry uh, what their intent is, what their approaches are. And even more importantly, also solicit back from industry about what their thoughts are. They're really looking to establish some dialogue. There were a lot of Q and A's uh, during the webinar. The VA is taking those and going to respond to those. And a lot of times some of the questions came in about, you know, VA, would you consider doing X? The VA's answer was, well, industry, give us your thoughts. What are the best practices? What do you think? You know, they're really trying to engage with industry, and a lot of agencies talk about that. Uh, The VA really seems to be doing that for this effort.
0: What does modernizing the supply chain encompass, Greg, and how does the supply chain look different when it's modernized or when it's more modernized?
1: So there's a lot of aspects of the supply chain at the VA, as as it would be with any large. Organization, whether it's working in the healthcare environment for prosthetics or for medical surgical items, pharmacy, whether it's providing the necessary IT solutions and systems, providing headstones and flags for, for the memorial administration that really deals uh, with last rights uh, for our veterans. So there's a lot of different components that the VA needs to manage through the supply chain. But right now, it's a very not even federated, but a disaggregated system in many cases. Uh, because it all grew up at different times with different sets of fundings for different needs. And the VA is really trying to, to take an enterprise kind of an umbrella view to look at how do they pull all this together and start to share information and provide a system that allows them to understand and manage demand just as well as understand and manage the procurement aspect.
0: How do you manage the modernization of a supply chain as complex as what you just described in an organization like VA in an agile way? You can't do it. You can't do it all at once. I mean, that's just not possible. So how do you choose which pieces are the most important, are maybe the quickest return, whatever? Uh, How do you make those decisions, Greg?
1: Well, Francis, it sounds like you were on the webinar. That's part of the, <laughs> part of the part of the discussion, really, they had Friday and, and part of the back and forth, because everybody, Francis, you said realize well, you just can't take all of this on at one time. So you have to look at some components, and, and you got a couple of different lenses to do that from. You know, which ones are the most pain points uh, in terms of veterans being able to fully serve veterans' needs, whether that's healthcare needs or benefits or memorial needs. Uh, which ones has, which areas has some systems that are doing really well and you can build on, right? You can make those, it's kind of like how the shopping malls do, they put an anchor store in and then they can build around, right? What's your anchor systems that you can build around and then have an evolutionary process, not a revolutionary process because adoption is really important, right? You, when you think about process, you think about people and technology, all those have to work together A lot of times we don't think about the people aspect and we think about process and and technology and you get a lot of dissension. Right. And people don't understand and they're really not going to engage and pull that solution forward. And if you can start with some anchor programs that work and build on them you can get that buy-in and take those early wins and build on those uh, in a more meaningful and productive way
0: what's your sense of what va is asking for specifically are they asking for organizations in industry to help come in there and help them change their supply chains are they asking industry how do you do it well that we could adapt or copy those processes some combination of both of those things or something else
1: uh, it's really a combination. They want to get some best practices from industry. And, and they recognize, as well as industry, that you can't take necessarily a private industry solution and just, you know, do a, a carbon copy of that and bring it over. You have to adapt it and morph it into the federal environment. And they're looking more than just somebody to come along and kind of advise them. They're really looking for somebody to bring in a solution that allows them to use IT You know, and we talk about information technology, and I remember a person telling me at one point, we really need to to think about uh, how to manage that in a way that it really improves our ability to use information. Uh, And not just have an IT solution, but have a business solution that works for the enterprise. That includes elements of understanding inventory levels, right? One of the things that happens to a lot of agencies, they realize Friday that they're running out of something that they need on Saturday or Monday. Well, procurement's not geared to respond to that type of need, right? And typically you'll know if you're watching your inventory, but a lot of those systems aren't connected. So it's really weaving that together in a way that helps the VA understand about its demand management. And and there's a lot of talk about standardization and standardization has a lot of value as a means to an end. It's really about how do you manage the variability? Right? How do you really understand what the outliers are? And there may be good reasons for those outliers, but you want to understand that and manage that variability moving forward, so that as you work your inventory, you can really make sure you're properly positioned to serve the needs.
0: You kind of anticipated my next question, which is how much of this would be providing connective tissue for stuff VA already has, and how much of it would be uh, new systems that the VA doesn't have today.
1: Yeah, and and Francis, that'll be another combination answer, right? I think they do have some systems, and when I was there, they had some systems that, that were really functioning well, but they weren't, the connective tissue, as you said, really was not there, because at some point, managers, leaders, and the frontline staff need to really have a view of what their supply system is and what their inventory is with different dashboards at different levels, and without that consolidated view, you really can't appropriately manage your supply chain to make sure you're not hoarding, right? The last thing you want to do, uh, particularly in a healthcare setting where space is limited and you want to use all the space you can for healthcare, you don't want to have more supply closets than you need. So how do you understand that inventory, understand what your turn times are and replenishment times so that you can manage an appropriate level?
0: How do you determine what techniques, what best practices private sector organizations use that will work in a government environment and which ones won't? There's been talk over time, well, we should ask Walmart or we should ask Target or any other organization you can think of that knows how to move stuff from here to there in a just-in-time environment like you just described. Um, I know FEMA has worked with some of the big organizations like Home Depot and and, uh, Lowe's and those kinds of organizations over time. How does one know, though, what is really not going to work in a government environment and what just we think is not going to because we get that mindset in our head that government's special?
1: Right. And so, Francis, that is a lot of times the crux of the solutioning that happens between private industry and the government. Sometimes in the government, the first answer is, well, that just won't work because it works in private industry. And sometimes that is true. Sometimes something that will work in private industry may not work. Uh, One of the things private industry, I think, is more able to do is to shed the things they don't do well and outsource those, find another place for those things to be accomplished. That's that's harder for the federal government. But if you if you get a step above kind of the transactional activity, a lot of the policies, the programs, kind of the business insight, the business intelligence behind those systems, those all start to really cut across no matter whether it's public or private industry and no matter what the sector, whether it's healthcare its benefits, banking, financial.
0: Greg Giddens a lot there and I appreciate you helping me understand it. Uh, I hope you'll keep us updated as those webinars come out. Will
1: do. Happy
0: to, Francis. You can read more about VA's industry days in today's show notes, TheDailyScoopPodcast.com. I'm Francis Rose, the host of The Daily Scoop Podcast. Coming tomorrow, the data future of the Space Force. Brigadier General John Olson, the Chief Data Officer of the Space Force, is here. That Daily Scoop Podcast debuts tomorrow afternoon at Fedscoop.com and wherever you get your shows. Almost half of the political appointee jobs the Biden administration needs to staff the Defense Department are still empty. The holdup appears to be from both the nomination side and the confirmation side. Bill Greenwald's non-resident senior fellow at the American Enterprise Institute, uh, founder of the Silicon Valley Defense Group. He's former deputy undersecretary of defense for industrial policy. Bill, welcome. Thanks for coming on the program. You're writing for AEI under the headline, ignoring the plumbing of government at our peril. Strategic. Executions have been regrettably challenged by a decades-long undermining and deterioration of the administrative means and capacities that enable any strategy or policy to be realized. That's a flowery, eloquent way of saying what about the current state of the guts of the government. Welcome, Bill.
2: Uh that, and, and and thanks, Francis, for, for having me on. Uh, yeah, the, the 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 current state of, of our public administration. Uh, is, is not good. And, and we spend a lot of time and effort and senior level focus on strategic thought and, and general policy and so on. But if the nuts and bolts of the system can't execute in, in, in a timely manner and, and in a productive and efficient and effective manner, you can't achieve your policy or strategic goals. And that's the problem we have with our budget system, our acquisition system, our contracting system, our personnel system. And uh, there there just needs to be more focus by senior level uh, 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 leaders on all of these, uh, all this plumbing.
0: Is the problem with the systems or is the problem with the people that are running, managing, overseeing, creating or whatever else the system?
2: You know, I I think that we have in the government a tremendous amount of really great people trying to do the right thing but, um, but the systems themselves are in conflict. Uh, the systems themselves are, are sub-optimized. And you have some really great people trying to do some really impossible things because the fact that they, they need a different system to work through.
0: What fixes that system? Is it somebody in the executive branch or some organization in the executive branch saying we need to reshape this? Is it some uh, organization in Congress saying we need to reshape this and here's how, because generally those solutions are prescriptive? Or is it some combination of those or something else?
2: Uh, it, it's a combination, but I think what's right needed right now is a senior level focus on things that normally they don't want to focus on. And 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 a in a, a senior level kind of I've got your back, uh reformers. And and you can go out and, and, and try to bring these systems together and optimize them for overall national security goals. And what are those? Those should be how to get capabilities into the field faster, how to improve uh, the, the, the workforce that we have and the, and, 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 the, and the STEM talent that we have that can focus on governmental problems.
0: All right, I'll offer up as one example in the national security community, the Defense Department in particular, one attempt to address that was the creation and then dissolution of the chief management officer's office. I mean, that sounds to me like that was something that was going to speak to exactly what you've suggested. It was here and then gone. And so I guess what do we do in light of that? Because it didn't deliver results in what, four years, I think it was. And so it went away.
2: So I will uh, uh, throw out that I, I always thought the chief management officer's idea was a good one. Uh, the GAO, uh, the Comptroller General, was 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 uh, encouraging the really creation of a second deputy to to drive uh, these these type of changes. And the reality is you just didn't have the back, backing of the senior leadership in the department, which would be the Secretary of Defense and the other dep- Secretary of Defense. And because of that, if you don't have that backing, you can't bring together the disparate uh, stovepipes of a department, who again, whose values and and what they're managed uh, uh, by, are in conflict with each other.
0: All right, um, you write a greater focus on fixing the plumbing of government would give the nation an opportunity to create an effective strategy. You're referring to a national defense strategy based on an expansion of capacity and competencies. What you're saying there, it sounds to me like, is hey, people, this stuff's all tied together. This is not a a place where we have, for example, in the Pentagon, the fourth estate is over here and the policymakers and war fighters are over here. This is a lot more integrated than it sounds like you think people think it is.
2: It's uh, absolutely. And it has real world consequences right away. If you take a look at the Wall Street Journal today, there's an uh, article about why we didn't get stingers To the Ukrainians fast enough. Well, well, because we have export control issues, we have classification issues, we have uh, logistical and other. I mean, these all these 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 again, the plumbing of the system needs to be worked through to do anything you want to policy wise. And, And policymakers have been talking about getting arms to Ukraine for about five or six years now.
0: You write, every inefficiency in managerial effectiveness not aligned with expanding capacity or delivering timely innovation is a tax on our military and foreign policy capabilities. As our potential adversaries multiply and grow stronger, we can no longer afford to pay such taxes. What eliminates that tax? How do we make those efficiencies go away definitively or is it not that simple, Bill?
2: Well, I think there are enough authorities on the books that can go around the existing system as long as senior leadership is okay with doing that. And we have them in contracting, we have them in acquisition, we have them in personnel, and frankly, some type of budget flexibility is what's needed next. But, but the, the the bureaucracy is sometimes afraid or too risk averse to use some of these authorities, whether they're other transactions, mid-tier authority, or the 200 personnel hiring authorities that are that are out there.
0: All right, Bill Greenwald, thanks very much for coming on. It's great to have you on the program, my friend.
2: Thanks a lot, friends. Appreciate it.
0: You can find a link to Bill's piece about the plumbing of federal agencies in today's show notes, thedailyscooppodcast.com. Military and civilian CIOs will lay out their strategies for the cloud at the Public Sector Innovation Summit. It's coming April 14th at the Ritz Carlton Pentagon City. You can find a link to learn more in today's show notes at the Daily The Technology Modernization Fund's new awards this week still leave the fund with plenty of money for programs. Congressman Jerry Connolly is chairman of the Government Operations Subcommittee of the House Oversight Committee and one of the authors of the TMF. At FedScoop's IT Mod Talks this week, he says one of his modernization priorities for agencies is cybersecurity.
3: The Federal Risk and Authorization Management Program, colloquially known as FedRAMP, is a government-wide program providing a standardized approach to cybersecurity assessment, authorization and continuous monitoring, of federal cloud products and services fedramp when effectively implemented enables agencies to rapidly adopt uh, from old, insecure legacy IT to mission-enabling secure and cost-effective cloud-based IT. To ameliorate frustrations that the FedRAMP process is slow and costly, I worked for five years to codify the FedRAMP program into law and make it more efficient. There's bipartisan support in both chambers of Congress to codify FedRAMP, finally. Which has passed the House twice in the last Congress and another two times in this Congress. In fact, the FedRAMP Authorization Act, which I introduced in 2021, was the first bill to pass the House in this Congress. Codifying FedRAMP will streamline the authorization process for private sector companies and make it easier for agencies to adopt cloud-based technologies. The pandemic catalyzed a reliance on federal IT and cloud solutions, and demand for cloud services across the government rose 85% during this pandemic. FISMA, regardless of the IT solution the federal agencies adopt, the systems must be secure. I'm proud to co-sponsor uh, with Chairwoman Maloney of the Federal Information Security Modernization Act of 2022, which the House Oversight Committee reported favorably after markup on February 2nd. 2022. Over the past several years, we've witnessed the ramifications of poor cybersecurity posture across the federal government's IT landscape, leaving sensitive IT systems and data vulnerable to attacks and occurring significant disruptions and costs. In addition to assigning clear cybersecurity responsibility to federal agencies, this bill will streamline reporting requirements moving from a check-in-the-box exercise to ensuring agencies actually protect themselves from cyber Attacks. Both FSMA and FedRAMP drive the federal government toward nimble, secure technology systems that will more effectively serve the nation. I look forward to seeing both bills move in the US Senate. The Technology Modernization Fund. To effectively modernize IT infrastructure, federal agencies need money, they need investment, upfront capital. Upfront investments in IT yield downstream savings and better cybersecurity postures. Typically, federal agencies receive funds through the appropriations process requiring them to plan a budget on an annual and often unpredictable basis. The TMF aims to reimagine and transform the way agencies invest in modern, nimble technology to deliver their mission and services to the public in an effective, efficient, and secure manner. In short, the fund helps agencies kickstart vital IT modernization that annual appropriations make difficult or impossible to conduct. And that's why I've consistently advocated for more funding for the TMF. Those efforts paid off when we helped secure a revolutionary $1 billion investment in TMF in the American Rescue Plan in March of last year. When federal CIO, Claire Madarana testified before our subcommittee in July, she stated that OMB, Uh, had more than 100 federal agencies uh, applying for TMF funding. By December, that number had totaled 188. Put simply, the need and demand for IT modernization outstrips the available supply of funding, and that's why we've got to do more. The projects that TMF has funded and will produce uh, will provide concrete savings and build trust in government because it will provide more accessible, intuitive, and secure online services built on scalable, less expensive cloud-based systems. We've got to continue to fund the TMF as a major investment in our IT future. But Tara, of course, monetary investments are, are just the first step. Congress must also continue its robust oversight of IT and hold our agency heads accountable for making visionary transformations a reality. In other words, Congress must conduct robust oversight of agencies' IT modernization efforts. This past January marked the 13th Fatara oversight hearing in the last seven years. The Fatara scorecard holds agencies accountable in their IT modernization efforts by grading them on key modernization-related provisions like data center consolidation and cybersecurity preparedness. Um, IT evolves and our expectations of and demands on government also expand, in turn, we must also evolve the scorecard we use to make sure that we're doing proper oversight. The scorecard provides Congress, agency leaders, and outside stakeholders a window into how agencies' IT postures continue uh, and compare to one another. Despite a few regressions over the past six years, we've seen continued progress overall in the categories of the Matara scorecard. Those improvements represent concrete uh, progress in federal service delivery ensuring that the public receives government relief quickly and accurately. In fact, the has saved the federal government, according to GAO, more than $20 billion and fortified the protection of sensitive information. That said, our work is not done. This Congress, our subcommittee will identify opportunities to modernize the scorecard so that its metrics meaningfully capture and reflect the state of federal IT and effectively compel federal agencies to prioritize best practices in areas like cloud adoption, cybersecurity, and customer experience. The coronavirus pandemic has demonstrated that investments in modern IT are needed now. And when we make those investments, we need to do so wisely. I intend to press federal agencies to keep doing just that. To bring these issues to the forefront of congressional attention, I recently informed the IT Modernization Caucus with my colleague, Representative Daryl Issa with whom I wrote the FATARA bill. The caucus will bring together proponents of government IT modernization through briefings and meetings. It will highlight technology's invaluable role in the federal government, and it will identify opportunities where IT could further assist government operations. In particular, I hope that our caucus will serve as a forum to discuss opportunities to modernize the Fatara scorecard and maintain necessary oversight of the TMF, the Technology Modernization Fund. And I very much look forward to working with my colleagues on both sides of the aisle to bring these important issues to the forefront. The bottom line is that IT is policy, and policy is IT. If federal IT is outdated and insecure, the delivery of government services will be expensive, inefficient, and, and vulnerable to cyber attacks, ransomware, and fraud. If we invest in IT modernization through dollars and policies based, On best practices, we can build systems and technology for the 21st century, providing the public assistance and relief when it is needed and without undue burden. And often, these investments save taxpayers' dollars too. I look forward to working with federal agencies and our private sector partners to make sure agencies have the tools, resources, and technology they need to succeed. Thank you so much for having me here today. It's always a pleasure to speak with you and to be part of this important endeavor. Good luck. Stay healthy.
0: Congressman Jerry Connolly at FedScoop's IT Mod Talks. You can find a link to watch the video of that conversation in today's show notes, the daily scoop com. The Daily Scoop podcast is available on all the podcast platforms. If you've already rated the show on your platform of choice, thanks for doing that. High ratings and good reviews of the show help more people find it. The Daily Scoop podcast is a production of the Scoop News Group in Washington, D.C. James Mahoney helps me put the show together and the entire Scoop News Group team contributes. Tomorrow, the Chief Data Officer of the Space Force, Brigadier General John Olson, is here. Until then, I'm Francis Rose. Thanks for listening.